This is Agency Side, telling the stories of starting, growing, and selling digital agencies. Sponsored by Natrilla.com, the CRM system for SEOs and digital marketers. Now, here's your host, Rob Carey. I'm joined today by James Brockbank, the Managing Director of Digital Loft a content marketing agency situated on the edge of England's Lake District National Park. Welcome to Agency Side, James. Hi, Rob. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really, uh, really happy to be here. Now, Digital Loft was founded in January 2013. Are you the sole founder of the agency? I am, yeah. I founded the agency, yeah, sort of early early 2013. Really what started out as a, as a freelancing project. From there, we've, yeah, we've seen some really, really great growth over the past, yeah, seven, seven and a half, eight years. And yes, yeah, so I founded the agency on my own. I then brought a, a business partner in after about 18 months. And then I returned to, uh, to being sole owner and founder about two years, two and a half years after that. So yeah, as of, as of today, I'm the sole owner of Digital Loft. And what were you doing before you started the agency? Yeah, prior to that, I was head of digital at an agency, um, a, re- a relatively small SEO and PPC agency in Lancaster, which was my yeah my, my first role out of university. So I did a, a marketing degree, returned home to Lancaster, and I knew a little bit of HTML. I'd done bits of uh, bits of affiliate marketing through through uni, not really SEO in in, you know, in the in the depth that I did once I joined an agency. And yeah, it suddenly became the best option. I know when I when I finished uni, I found that most marketing jobs were actually telesales jobs at the time. So yeah, going into into SEO then was a yeah a really nice breath of fresh air and something that was uh, yeah it really interested me having uh, having built a couple of websites in the past and done some sort of affiliate marketing. So what are the specific services that Digitaloft specialises in and offers? Yeah, we offer what we call organic growth. So we offer SEO, content marketing, and digital PR. And that's it. That's it. We know where our strengths lie in the past. We have done paid search. We've done social. We, you know, in the early days, we took on web development projects. But around 2015, we decided that we were, we were an organic agency. And that's where we would focus our strengths and our core offering. And how would you separate the services of digital PR and content marketing? Because they seem to blur and the lines seem to blur between agencies. Absolutely. I mean, to us as an agency, when a client engages us for SEO, they're engaging us to drive growth in organic traffic and organic revenue. When they're engaging us to run digital PR campaigns, they're engaging us to earn linked coverage in most instances with a bit of a shift in the past year to what increasing brand awareness with digital PR campaigns. Content marketing is at least to us, it's where clients are engaging us to create great content that performs on search. So to us, we see a content marketing offering as create as building topic clusters, building content that ranks on the SERPs, um, as opposed to links being the links or coverage being the primary objective. And how do you differentiate Digital Loft from other agencies? Is it based on the type of service that you're offering or the price point or do you specialize towards a certain industry? Yeah, I mean, right right now and certainly in recent years, we differentiate on consistency. So when I talk about consistency in digital PR and what I will drop into this is that digital PR right now makes up around 70% of our revenue as an agency. It's by far the, the largest service that we, that we offer out. So when I look at digital PR and I look at why clients are coming to us and why clients, why we're retaining clients long term, it's often that consistency. We've built our processes. We've built our structure in a way that focuses on 
consistent results each quarter. Now, it's, it seems a bit strange to say that because where we sort of really saw huge growth as an agency was off the back of two viral campaigns. We were just another SEO agency situated in the middle of nowhere until mid end of 2017. And at that point, we had two viral campaigns in the space of three weeks. And that allowed us to win a number of awards. It allowed us to really have these huge case studies. And back then, yeah, they were done on a low price point. You know, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that. You know, we, in the early days, we won a lot of work by being the cheapest option that could deliver big results. But if I look right now, you know, our big focus is consistency. You know, it's delivering those campaigns month after month you know, taking a bit of a, a hit on that as well, our side, in that last year, we introduced a KPI guarantee on digital PR that if we don't hit a certain number of pieces of coverage or link coverage in a quarter, we will launch another campaign free of charge, really putting confidence behind our ideas. It's not about offering those free campaigns. It's about ensuring that those campaigns deliver what a client is looking for, that a client expects to see. But it builds this trust, it builds this offering around consistency every quarter. Yeah, this is something which I think Rise at Seven do as well, the kind of money back guarantee. Yeah. Do you think that kind of attracts the the smaller clients or the larger clients? So I'm guessing the larger clients, because the money is uh, more available and it's not their personal money, then they don't really mind so much about these kind of guarantees. Do you think it attracts more of the smaller kind of clients? I actually think certainly from our perspective, I would say it's the exact opposite. And I think it's an interesting one on, on sort of having that conversation in that what we find is that certainly with the larger businesses, their procurement teams suddenly have something that they can attribute a, dare I say, a cost per link to. And I think, you know, it's when a large, and you know, and if, again, if I look at the, the breakdown of why I believe certain sizes of businesses are using agencies right now, one of the things that I've seen over the past six, seven years is wider SEO teams a lot of businesses were being taken in-house you know certainly at strategy level if we you know when we're working with you know small and mid-sized businesses they don't necessarily have the resources in-house and they want you know they want wider seo strategy they want to engage an agency to drive organic performance and when we look at those bigger businesses they have that in-house so they want that confidence that they will get will get what they're paying for you know and if if we look back to what we saw maybe three four years ago digital pr content marketing link building whatever we want to call it it was very very much a we'll try our best and hope to get something. I think it opened up a number of tricky conversations in sales pitches, in in sort of performance reviews. Even if we look at organic search, you know, it's, yes, there's no guarantees in the same way, but I think it's a lot of businesses still, unfortunately, see digital PR as cost per link. They see it as safely buying links that they need to drive growth. So I think that's what's opened up some of those conversations. And for us, it became a way to put our money where our mouth is and say, okay, you know, we we don't want to give these free campaigns, not at all. But it's a great motivator for a team as well to go, look, this is the minimum what we need to achieve. Yeah, so I, I think certainly from our perspective, it's those, it, it's the opposite, you know, it's those bigger businesses who want to know at a minimum what they're getting for their investment. And what kind of size clients do you have at the moment? Are you Do you have an average retainer for them or is it a full mix of different kind of size clients? Yeah, it's it's a mix. I mean, I think, you know, the, the average 
the, the average size business is spending between five and eight K a month with us as an agency. And if, you know, if I look at what that, that breaks down into, that's probably, you know, a three campaigns per quarter on average. Again, you know, what goes into a, a campaign can, can differ sort of very, very differently from client to client, especially with, you know, some of the things that we've seen shake up in the, in the PR and media world over the past year, the past 18 months. But if we look at that, you know, we're working with some very, very large global and national brands right the way down to smaller e-commerce stores. But I think, you know, the, the commonality across our entire client base is they are growth hungry brands. You know, they are, they're looking to drive that growth. They're looking to go beyond average performance and they're looking to make great results consistent. I think that's probably the, the key that we see across our client base. And you mentioned monthly, uh, most of the clients on a month by month contract, or do you do a year long contract or do you also have some one-off projects? I mean, so we we actually moved away from one-off projects completely at the start of this year, which was a, a really, really great move. You know, we, we identified the start of 2021. We looked back on last year and we realized that on a project basis in, in what we do, it's really, really risky in that we can't guarantee results over one campaign because a simple shift in the media agenda can completely derail your campaign. And what we what we realized is that the best results came from consistent client engagements. So we typically work with clients on a quarterly basis. So clients will tie into us for at least 90 days at a time. Ideally, that is, you know, over an initial term of, of 12 months. But again, you know, I think one of the things that we've learned growing a relatively fast growing agency, certainly in the past 18 months, two years, is that when you're able to deliver results, you know, when you put client success first, then those those engagements roll. You know, a client, especially when they're engaging digital PR, if you can deliver consistent results month after month, quarter after quarter, that's ultimately how you get them to stick around. And who do you see your main competitors in the market? And is it only UK-based competitors as well? Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's a difficult one because, I mean, obviously our competitors are the likes of Rise at 7, Kaizen, Era, Neomam, the, you know, the, the sort of straight-up digital PR and content-led search agencies. And then in the US, there's the likes of Fractal, Siege Media to a certain extent, they have, a, you know, Ross and, Ross and his team have, they have a slightly different way of doing things. But again, you know, often in terms of who clients are talking to, they're often in the mix. If I then look at it, and I think, you know, as, as agency owners, as founders, we're often too quick to look at competitors solely on the sort of scope of the services that we offer. Now, I know that, you know, our, the way we do things, the clients we work with, there's not much crossover with the likes of Rise at Seven. You know, we're, we're different agencies with different identities, with different cultures. And, you know, I think one of the things that I, I've said to the team um, in the past, you know, is if a business such as Misguided approached us, who obviously work with, work with Rise and said, you know, we're considering our options, my response would be, you are with the right agency for you. You know, I think what's really, really important is to know which clients you have a cultural fit with and which clients you don't. And that also then feeds into the, you know, who we see as competitors. But certainly at a, at a service level offering, yeah, it's it's Rise, it's Kaizen, it's Neomam, those, those sort of content-led content SEO agencies. And how big is Digitaloft now? Uh, how many employees do you have and how many people on sort of freelance contracts do you work with? And how has that effect been affected by COVID as well? Yeah, so yesterday we made our 29th appointment to the team, which is which is huge. I mean, if I look at where we were this time last year, there was, I think, 13 or 14 of us. So we've doubled. We've doubled in size through the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, if, if I look at how that is, 
six months prior to COVID, we opened an office in London. So prior to that, the whole team was based in in the office up north in the Lake District. September, end of September 2019, we opened the London office and started to build the team down there. Obviously, COVID derailed those plans slightly. And yeah, over, over that 12 months, we've hired a couple of remote team members. But one of the things that we've pretty much been confident on is that we will be returning to the office once it's safe to do so. You know, as a, as a team, we we thrive from that collaborative, creative environment. And even those remote hires that we've made, we've tried to ensure they're within sort of an hour commuting distance of one of the two offices. Not that those people will be in every day. You know, what we've said is, you know, we see a lot of value in those who are even remote most of the time being in the office once every other week, twice a month. And I think it's, you know, it's very, very valuable. We did have a couple of remote only team members who were intended to be long term remote. And for us, it didn't work out. And that was, you know, that that was both sides. And again, you know, there's there's nothing, there's no shame in admitting that, you know, and I think it's certainly our culture as an agency is we want the team back together in one of the two offices, at least some of the time, as soon as we can safely make that happen. And that sort of full term, full time remote, it's not not necessarily for us in terms of how we work. We've had a very, very successful year. You know, COVID has forced us to, it's forced us to review processes. It's forced us to adapt. But, you know, I think having opened the London office as a, you know, as, as a satellite office, then there was sort of 10, you know, probably not yet yeah, 10 of us up north, three down in London when COVID hit. If, you know, we already had those collaboration processes in place for working with team members in other locations. So, once COVID hit, you know, we were thankfully in a, a very good position that we were already all working at least with some team members in different locations already, which made that transition far, far easier. Yeah, it's interesting how the agencies which are more on the creative side really require that office location so that everyone can work together and brainstorm, whereas the more technical agencies, such as the technical SEO agencies, can thrive just as well as a remote-only agency just because maybe they're used to using, say, sort of task management systems and it's all kind of like sort of a set process rather than a creative process. That's absolutely true. You know, if I look at some of the hires that we've made who will be largely remote, they are on they are largely on the technical side. And I think, you know, it absolutely makes sense. I think it also comes in part of the work and the collaboration. You know, if I look on digital PR, nothing can replace getting a team of creatives in a room together and bouncing around ideas. You know, we've we've had to do it over Zoom, over Hangouts for the last year. And yeah, we've we've all found ways to make it work. But I know the day that we can get back in a room together is the day that creativity will really, really pick up to the next level. And it's almost that, you know, right now you have to it's easy to not be creative, I think is the the way to say it. And it's harder to bounce off each other, which I think, you know, in a creative role, is what's so, so important and what certainly we're we're very eager to get back to ASAP. Do you think that digital PR needs to grow up in terms of you're looking at things such as Burger King making a sexist tweet and relying on the fact that people will click through on it and then read the follow-up to it? You know, there's a lot more of this happening, I think, these days, and especially with bigger brands as well. And I'm sure it's partly the digital PR agencies, the social agencies that are encouraging the brands to make these kind of controversial comments in order to get more publicity. But at what cost, really? You know, there's uh, damage to the brand long term there. But what are your views on it? Um, I think my views are absolutely. And I think the pandemic forced digital PR 
for a lot of businesses to grow up. And I think a lot of agencies as well. You know, I mean, if I look back to what we were doing, let's say 18 months ago, we were launching a lot of campaigns that were only very, very loosely tied to a client. Why? Because my background, you know, our senior team, our background is as an SEO agency. So, you know, we were all about the links and I'm not saying do anything to get links, but it it was almost... What do we need to do to get links first? The pandemic almost put a bit of a stop to that. And I think looking back, it's the best thing that's happened. You know, if I look at how we approach ideation right now, our goal when we go in to, to come up with ideas for a client, it's how can we amplify a client who they are and what they do. It's no longer what can we do to get links that hooks somewhat to the to the client. It's taken it, you know, it's a f- complete flip on the head of that and going, how can we amplify this? Now, why has that happened? It's because that's what journalists very, very quickly wanted through COVID. The impact and the ability to drive great results on, I'm going to call it fluffy content. It became very, very difficult because of the world that we suddenly found ourselves living in. But almost overnight, journalists were tweeting out and going, what can you share with us to enhance people's lives right now? So, you know, if I look at, you know, we work with a client, a fast growing startup in the cosmetics space. We were doing really, really simple expert pitches. You know, we were spending 10, 15 minutes chatting with their team of beauty specialists and saying, right, what can you share? We were amplifying content around how to do eyebrows at home, how to cut your boyfriend's hair at home. And whilst it's still, you know, it it was very, very much hooked to their product, but it was all hooked to amplifying who they are and how they can help people in the now, rather than this is the best city for this, this is the best city for that, these are the richest pets, that sort of thing. And I think it forced us as digital PRs, at least those of us who come from an SEO background, to take stock and think, right, okay, we don't have to always go and be two steps away from the business. Literally 12 months ago, we did not do product PR. If I look at February, then a number of our clients the bulk of their links and coverage came from product PR, promoting their products, seeing them included in Valentine's Day gift guides, Mother's Day gift guides. And I think to us, that was, it was a realization that digital PR had to grow up and that we are now at the point where those agencies and those marketers and those digital PRs who have grown up and can grow up and figure out how to amplify who the client is and what they do are ultimately the ones that are adding more value. I think, you know, it's really, really hard right now to go in and sell strategies, campaigns, concepts that have that, that are only loosely related to a business, you know, and I think that's, that's how much we've seen the industry change in 12 months. I think some of the, I'm going to call them cheeky brands, you know, the, the, the Burger Kings, the Moon Pigs, you know, the, the, some of the things that they've come out and done, yes, they probably should grow up, but I think brands like Burger King know that, However much they offend people, however much they upset people, whether they do things that are right or wrong, I don't think for a lot of people they will stop going and buying their burgers. And I think, you know, that that's the maybe the sad world that we live in, in that a lot of these brands, that they're almost exploiting their position in that Burger King, you know, it's not a considered purchase. So I think they can get away with it more in terms of not having that same long-term impact that most businesses, at least those who operate predominantly online, could, you know, could, could get away with or, you know, quite rightly should. Do you think that there's a limited client agency relationship with digital PR and content marketing agencies because it's all down to the ideas that you come up with? And is there a reason why a client shouldn't just change digital PR agencies or content marketing agencies every year just to try and get those fresh ideas from a different agency? Yeah, I mean, I think to a certain extent, it comes down to consistency. You know, I think one of the things that I've said for a long time is that 
you have to become your client's secret weapon. And when you're able to deliver consistency, it suddenly becomes a massive risk to go and change agencies. Yes, it's all about ideas, but ideas in themselves can be risky. Ideas translate into coverage, into links. You have to give a client a reason to stick with you. And certainly to us, that's always been consistency in that if a client goes and tries another agency or changes agencies every 12 months, not every client and agency is the right fit for one another. But I also see the other point, and you know, I'm, I'm fully behind it, in that agencies have certain ways they come up with ideas. You take three agencies, and I can guarantee they would, with maybe a few exceptions, come up with a different set of ideas. And one of the things that we've seen, especially with bigger businesses, is working with two, three. I think one of our clients works with five different digital PR agencies at any one time, really to balance that idea. And what do you think is the future of the content marketing agencies and the industry? And how do you think the agency client relationship will change going forward? Yes, I mean, I think the future is quite frankly, very exciting. I think one thing that COVID has shown a lot of businesses who maybe had plans to take digital PR in house to try digital PR in house is that there are so many different skills needed to launch a successful campaign. So if we look at a campaign breakdown, of course, we've got client comms and project managers, we've got strategy, we've got data collection and analysis, we've got copywriting, we've got design, development, outreach and promotion. You know, there's probably six to seven different skill sets needed to launch a campaign. And whilst I think it's easy to say, okay, well, we have that in-house, we have designers, we have developers, we have copywriters, getting that time in a sensible flow is near on impossible. So I think for that reason, it's one of the services, unlike maybe straight up content marketing, um, content strategy, content creation, technical SEO. I think it's one of the the pieces of the puzzle that many businesses, at least for a a good while, will struggle to take in-house. But also the challenges that internal teams in in in-house teams face is they are working in that business day in, day out. So they don't necessarily have the ideas that are sparked from something different. You know, if I look back to the campaign that really generated a lot of exposure for us, uh, you know, what's now become called our Kardashian calculator, we were working with a fast fashion brand who, you know, they came to us saying they tried in-house to promote style guides. You know, they were trying to land cosmopolitan glamour with what Kim Kardashian wearing. And they had absolutely no success with that for the simple reason that a journalist could do this themselves. We we went on a, you know, we're talking 2017, we went on a bit of a, an ideation discovery journey with them. And during that time, one of our content strategists came to me with an idea on, actually, no, they didn't. Someone else, someone else in the business had an idea to look at comparing anyone's salary with Bill Gates, who was the richest man in the world. One of our content strategists at the time came to me and said, I want to do this for the Kardashians. Now, I had absolutely zero interest in the Kardashians. And I said, why would anybody care? They're not, you know, they weren't on the rich list. They were, you know, and they said, trust me. So we did. That campaign picked up about 1,500 linked pieces of coverage in seven days. It was absolutely transformational for us as an agency and the client. It had really, really big results. But that started out as an idea for a client in the finance sector and I think finance the employment sector on you versus Bill Gates. It ended up being you versus the Kardashians. And I think that's one of the things that in-house teams love, that ability to pivot an idea, to, to put it into different scenarios 
which I think is always going to be hard to replicate as an in-house team. So that future, you know, I think digital PR is exciting in terms of that, you know, working with clients. And I think there's also that level of passing the risk on to somebody else, you know, when, you know, whilst there are, you know, shoot myself in the foot here, whilst there are agencies who are willing to put their money where their mouth is and have confidence in their ideas, you suddenly become that safer option than building building a team in-house, training that team up, running that ideation. And it's also a really easy offering to slot into in-house teams of multiple different sizes. So I think based on that, you know, there's yeah, there's a really, really exciting future. The leads that we're getting in right now that we have done from Christmas, I've never seen anything like it. I know every other agency is saying the same. I know everybody is hiring like crazy right now. I mean, I think my sort of side of caution is how long will this last in terms of the rapid growth we're seeing right now? But I think so long as those results can can be demonstrated, the industry's got a, a really exciting few years ahead of us. How would you value Digital Loft in financial terms? Because is all of the value in your ideas and therefore your people? Or is there technology behind it which makes you unique? And do you think that technology is required in order to bring value to content marketing agencies? So our, I mean, our value, I would say, is in our processes. So rather than maybe technology, it's in it's in processes and the way you do things as an agency. So we wanted to do and started doing sort of end of, yeah, probably start of 2020 is for the first time we hired a number of juniors with no experience at all at intern level. Really on a view to, certainly when I started out in SEO, that was missing. You know, it was it was hard to land roles without any experience at all. And I think one of the things I've always been really, really big on is giving back to that sort of next generation and, you know, building from within as well as, you know, as well as hiring external. And I think, you know, as, a, as an agency owner, as, a, as an employer, certainly one of the things I'm proudest on is when, you know, we're able to take an employee or a team member from joining the industry to being you know, to being in a really, really great position. You know, I look at Olivia, who's now our digital PR director. Olivia joined us as an outreach exec with a month-long internship at a, at a PR agency behind her. You know, f- almost four years later, and Olivia's been, you know, she's been offered the position of PR director, really as a result of hard work, determination, and demonstrating the ability to to grow a team. And you know, to me, it's. It makes you really proud to see that journey and to take people on that journey and and give those opportunities. So in order for that to happen, you need to have those processes to be able to go, right, here's the digital loft way of doing ideation. Here's how we come up with ideas. Here's how we run campaigns. And really, that comes from how you how you get the best out of people. You know, I'm certainly not the most creative of people. However, I'm also a strong believer that there are ways to get the best ideas out of people who maybe they themselves don't see as creative. So building processes that bring ideas out of people, that help people have better ideas and then know what to do with them. You know, I think there's often a sort of a misconception in the digital PR world that it's almost a case of what can we do? What ideas can we have? Let's try them and hope it works. Absolutely not. You know, we've got sort of a an eight, maybe a 10 stage process, a validation framework that we run every single idea through, which is essentially us challenging it on a number of points that we know contributes to a successful campaign. And we're essentially trying to show why that idea 
wouldn't work. Those sort of things are, are really, really powerful. And I think if it's, it's not in the technology, it's in the processes, and you can add at least some level of value by ensuring that those processes deliver time and time again, as opposed to it being a, a, a what can we do? And, you know, when you've got a proven pathway to take someone from a newcomer into the industry and be able to demonstrate after three months, after six months, that they can go and not just do outreach, but all, you know, have those creative ideas. I think that's that's ultimately, you know, where where agencies should be heading. And, you know, certainly where we where we feel we're able to add value, uh, you know, outside of the the individual people. Have you received many acquisition offers in the past? And also, if you were to merge with my, maybe one of your rival agencies, do you think that the, the sum of the whole new company would be greater than the parts? We've had three acquisition offers. We've had two serious ones in that one was quite early on. And it was, quite frankly, it, wasn't, it was of no interest at the time. Um, I think it was a... Yeah, it, it was a bit of a cheeky offer, hoping that I might at the time go for it. Um, it was far, far too early on. We had two relatively serious ones last year, neither of which were of interest and neither were really explored um, for the simple reason that I'm just getting going. You know, yes, you know, I've been doing this eight years, but, you know, I feel, you know, where we've grown in the last 12 months and where we're going right now, it's it's not on the agenda. You know, I think one of the things that I'm really proud on is that we have done it on our own. You know, we haven't taken a pound of investment. We haven't taken any outside financial help. We've, you know, what we've grown has been organic. And that to me, it's it's really, it's really exciting. So, you know, right now, acquisition isn't anything that's on that's on the cards for us. It feels like maybe something we, you know, we it is on the longer term plan, um, probably sort of two to three years down the line. It's sort of the time frame that we are, we're potentially aiming for, um, maybe a bit longer. But yeah, r- right now it's not on the cards. Um, but it's funny you should say, you know, funny you should mention about merging with other agencies. We had a, I had an informal conversation with with one of our competitors about this last year. And I think it really came from the fact that I don't think anyone's really quite sure how large the digital PR space, you know, or agencies relying solely on digital PR can go. And I think, you know, one of the challenges that us agency founders in this space face is in order to carry on that growth, really, we have to either have a much larger share of the market, or we have to bring in additional services, influencer marketing, paid search, paid social in order to take it to, to that next level. But I think, you know, on, on the other side of it, you know, if I look why I why I started the business, you know, I started the agency as a as a way to spend more time with my son. You know, when I when I started the business, my son was I think about six months old. And he started as a lifestyle business and then sort of three, four years in, it sort of hit whirlwind speed. And, you know, I, I love the idea of being in control of our, our our path for the time being, you know, steering the ship on this exciting journey right now. We have, you know, very, very recently put two other, you know, two senior team members in director positions to build that solid senior management team and that, you know, that, that team of directors for our next phase of growth. And I think right now it's where, you know, let, let's see where it takes us. I think the, you know, the challenge with merging with another agency is that, as you alluded to earlier on, clients do often, or sometimes, should I say, cycle between a number of agencies and 
certainly right now, I think that the bigger value is is standing on our own and seeing where it takes us and yeah, and, and steering that ship of growth without without losing focus on who we are and what we do. If you could give a new agency founder one piece of advice, what would it be? So that would be to plan your processes and to act and behave like you are twice the size you are. I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned, you know, we, we've doubled in size in terms of people over the last year. And, you know, we had to go through a lengthy and somewhat painful process of redesigning our processes. What works for a team of 10 will not work for a team of 20 or a team of 25. So right now, you know, we're building, you know, we're building processes and we're asking ourselves, does this work for a team? Would this work for a team of 50, for a team of 60? And I think that's true whether you are a team of two, a team of five. Plan your processes for double the size. And when you're able to do that, you're, I think you're able to avoid some of the common challenges and pitfalls that agency founders and senior managers fall into, which is only realizing some of the you know the, the growth challenges that come from processes you only realize them when it's too late so you know plan your processes for being twice the size you are and grow into them rather than having to uh, having to re-engineer them once you once you realize there's challenges around that james thank you so much for joining me today on agency side no worries thank you for having me thank you for listening to agency side sponsored by netpillar.com Visit agencyside.fm to subscribe, read the show notes, and listen to previous recordings. Tune in again soon for our next episode. 